It's Open Mic Friday on Law and Gospel, September the 20th in the year of our Lord 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And uh, the uh, promo was talking about that we were going to be speaking with Wes Rhymness. That actually occurred yesterday. This is Open Mic Friday, which means anyone can call in, ask a theological question, and if I know the answer, I'll be able to give it to you. If there is an answer. And if I don't know the answer and there is an answer, I can share it with you on Monday. Today, however, you cannot phone the regular number. You can only use the 800 number. And that can be used anywhere. 1-800-730-2727. That's one 800 Seven three zero two seven two seven. Now, I do have some opportunities for preaching on Sundays, but I have a number of Sundays open. So if there is anyone, any congregation that needs a pastor to be preaching on Sunday, uh, just email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. Second item I want to talk about is if you would like to support Law and Gospel, it's not supported by you sending money to KFUO, but you need to send it directly to Law and Gospel to me. One of the easy ways to do it, besides what you hear at the end of each program, just go to lawandgospel101.com. That's my website, Law and Gospel at lawandgospel101.com. And on the first page, if you scroll down to the third part, you're able, therefore, to contribute. And you can use a credit card, PayPal, or whatever. And we would sure uh, appreciate that. The third item is, yes... I'm serious about doing magic for kids. I have relatives who are magicians, gone with them to the magician show two years in a row now, and I have a number of magical things, but I always relate it to Christianity and specifically to law and gospel. So when I go to these shows, I look Okay, how can I use this particular item to make a point from the Bible? So if you're all interested, email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com and put on the title uh, magic and we'll be able to get back to you. So today we're open for any questions what we talked about yesterday with Wes Reimnitz is an article that was showing that there is no gene that people have that lead them to homosexuality or the gay lifestyle. And that's important to understand. We refer to it theologically as original sin. And why do some people follow that lifestyle and others don't? Well, first of all, it's a lifestyle that they think 
will give happiness and joy to them. Even though the suicide rate for such people is high and gay marriages keep falling apart. And that's simply because God will never bless such a a union. And you actually have a loving God who brings problems to such unions in order that people will wake up to the fact that they need a savior and need to repent of their sin. And it's really difficult in this day and age. I I believe it's in California where they've made a law that you are not able to try and help someone out of that lifestyle. That's now against the law. Well, pastors aren't going to listen to that. That's like saying that they make a law that since abortion is okay, you're not allowed to talk a woman out of having an abortion. No. The early church was persecuted because we stood for the word of God. Expect persecution from followers of Satan simply because they cannot stand what you are saying. Uh, Remember, if you want to phone in, only the 800 number today. 1-800-730-2727. You might also want to talk about what we dealt with on Wednesday, and that was the uh, Bible study. And that was an important Bible study because it was taking a look at Second Chronicles chapter 28. That was a sign to me to preach here at the LCMS chapel. And when I read it, I didn't know, what am I going to do with this? Because it was about evil Judah. First of all, Israel had been divided into two camps. The northern tribes were Israel. The southern tribes were Judah. Both of them ended up being taken into captivity. The northern tribes by Assyria, the southern tribes by Babylonia. But there was a purpose that God was doing that. And Second Chronicles 28 was really interesting to me because though God used Israel and Syria to defeat Judah, he was angry with the soldiers because once they had prisoners, they mistreated them. Didn't give them food, didn't give them clothing, and burned down their villages and this sort of thing. They went beyond what God would expect. It's really interesting. People say we shouldn't, you know, confuse church and state, keep them separate. But many of the rules that we have in the military as to what you can do with prisoners really come right out of the Bible. And if you really believe in evolution, none of those rules would be true. You should be able to do anything you want with a prisoner because evolution teaches survival of the fittest. But since evolution, or what I like to call evolution, is totally inappropriate and wrong, therefore, there is no morality when it comes to evolution. What what rules does a lion have in killing other animals? None. If he's hungry, he just goes after them. And 
I was just watching, what is it, hippopotamuses, that they will attack someone and kill them, but they don't eat them because they're vegetarians. But that's what has happened since the fall of the whole universe due to the sins of Adam and Eve, that nothing works properly. I mean, there's all kinds of things that happen that are just kind of interesting that I don't think will happen in heaven at all. One very, very simple thing that I keep thinking about. Uh, My wife brings me a bowl of spaghetti and I put it on the fork and I'm not sure it's going to be able to get from the bowl to my mouth, so I'm really careful bringing it up and just before it hits the mouth, a piece of spaghetti falls off the fork and hits the shirt. (laughs) Have you ever noticed how that happens? I mean, you can hold it for two minutes and nothing will happen, but as soon as you start getting it near your mouth, guess what? (laughs) A lot of times it falls off. That won't happen in heaven. There, There won't be messy shirts in heaven. I'm not sure just how we're going to be eating in heaven, but it's pretty clear that there will be food in heaven. Jesus himself says he will not drink of the uh, wine from the vine uh, until, again, we do so in heaven. So we know there's food in heaven, but our joy is really going to be knowing Jesus, seeing him face to face. That's what's really going to be important. So we're living in a society where people no longer consider sin to be what God says is sin. And therefore, they have all kinds of excuses. I enjoy kind of watching prison shows on YouTube. And they often will interview a prisoner I, I can't remember the last time, well, there was a couple of times, where the prisoner took credit for what he had done and that he was responsible. But by and large, most of them say, no, uh, what I did should not have been a crime because this person disrespected me. I mean, the, the reasons they give why they should be innocent of the crime, they're really quite ridiculous. And some people feign that they are crazy so that they'll get a reduced sentence. But I saw one yesterday where teenagers who had committed crimes were actually given life sentences. And one of them was given life without a chance of parole. You have to understand that in the United States, a life sentence is usually 25 years, but then you can come up for parole. There are other countries where a life sentence is until you die, and there is no chance for parole. So you really need to know the laws and understand them appropriately. Uh, I also read a great article about uh, there's uh, high schools here in St. Louis, and they serve lunches and mainly pizza. And what they have done... I forget what high schools they were, but there's a group of them. They invite police to come in for a free lunch every day. And the goal is because a lot of those students, when they see the police, they have a wrong impression a lot of times 
that these are people who are after them and they're afraid of them. But once they start having a policeman sitting at their table, eating lunch with them, talking with them, the hope is that these students will have a more favorable view of uh, the police. Not to say that all police are perfect in what they do. There's a, a number of YouTubes that show where they are misusing their office. But fortunately, they're often held accountable for that and put on suspension. But we had police in the congregation, and in the many congregations I preached at, I knew there were police, and I never had a problem with any of them because being Christians, they knew what their task was and knew how to do it in a just way. But a lot of people just because of stories they hear, etc., just are really afraid of the police. I really enjoy, I, I, I just got stopped by police. I was coming back from congregations in Illinois, and I'm on a two-lane road, and I get pulled over. And I wasn't going over the speed limit. I have a vehicle that I, you know, put on a certain speed, and it just stays at that speed. It's just wonderful. Uh, it's a Prius. And the reason I don't like going over the speed is with it right now, I get 42 miles to the gallon. You go over the speed limit, a lot of times you're going to get less miles to the gallon. And I'm also listening to CDs of the whole Bible. Last Wednesday, I listened to the entire Bible, a book of First Corinthians. It was all on one CD. The previous week was Romans, all on one CD. And I heard things that obviously I had read before, but were unaware that, oh, that's where it is in the Bible. So it's really good just to sit back and listen to individuals doing the Bible. In the Old Testament, you had a number of characters. But anyway, getting back, I get stopped by the police, and I have no idea. And there's certain things you should do when you get stopped by a policeman. This was a two-lane road, and there wasn't that much room on the side to move over. And I learned, no, you move over, and the thing you do is you turn on your lights in the car, those uh, beams and such. And I really make sure I do that. And then what had happened was one of my headlights was out, and I was unaware of it. Uh, Toyota Priuses have headlights that are really bright. And so if one of them goes out, it may be that you don't realize that it's out. Okay. Uh, I didn't get a ticket or anything, but the next morning I went to Lou Fuse and made sure I got a new headlight. In fact, I got two of them. Because it's got over 216,000 miles on it, running wonderfully. And I thought, well, maybe the new headlight's going to go out. Well, let's go to the phone lines. And remember, you can only call the 800 number today. 1-800-730-2727. And our good friend, James. Hi, James. Good morning, Pastor. How are you doing today? Very good. Good. Um, I would... In my Bible study uh, the other day, uh, I was reading in Second Samuel 24 about David taking the census. Uh, 
And it said, uh, again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, go number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, and and so on and so forth. And it it ends up that uh, uh, David goes out and takes the census, even though it was forbidden uh, uh, way back in the the Torah. So then um, I I thought, well, we we read in the the sixth petition to the Lord's Prayer, where it says, lead us not into to temptation, and the question, what does this mean? And the response is, God tempts no one, of course, but we pray in this request that God would protect us and save us. Um, so my question is, is um, how do I reconcile those two? Okay, I'm a little confused. How do you reconcile what with what? That Okay, so, so 2 Samuel 24 said that David incited... Uh, uh, or uh, God incited David to take the census, which was a sin. Yes. And uh, and in the uh, uh, response to the uh, sixth petition in Luther's small catechism, it said that God tempts no one, of course, but we pray that in this request that God would protect us and save us. So uh, my question is, is how do we reconcile those two things? Okay. There's no problem with God inciting. I know that's the word used in the uh, chapter 24, verse 1. And we would Mm -hmm. say that we only know the reasons God allows that, where he allowed Satan to tempt David. I would point you to another individual that God incited Satan to tempt Job. Yeah. And mm-hmm. when you look at Job, you think he was an honorable man, and he was probably a great businessman, very honest and everything. But he did not understand the nature of God as fully as he did after those particular temptations. Remember, his wife says, curse God, and Job would not do that. And at the mm-hmm. end of the book of Job, he says, you know, once I spoke, two I spoke, Twice I now put my hand over my mouth. And what God says to him, and I think this is the main point of the book of Job, would you accuse me that you might be justified? That was the problem with Job. And he says, I am the one who is in the wrong, and therefore I repent in dust and ashes. So, though in this case... Satan was allowed to tempt Job. He never fell into unbelief. In contrast to David, who ended up numbering the people. But David himself says in verse 10 and following, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Please take Mm -hmm. away the iniquity of your servant. So I kind of appreciate the times that God does incite us to sin in the sense of allowing Satan to come to us because if it does result in sin, I am able to repent. And during that decision, I can remember the words of God and his promises and keep from sinning. Uh, imagine how many times the Apostle Paul, after he was converted, was whipped, etc. This this was all the work of Satan. And not once did he fall into sin. Unlike Peter, 
after Pentecost, he refused to eat with the Jews and the Gentiles together, lest the Jews from Jerusalem uh, be upset. Now, there was an example where Peter fell into sin, but Paul never did. And in this case, Job didn't, but David did. So inciting doesn't mean that God is the one who is tempting you to sin. The Bible is very clear. It's in James that we're tempted by the world, our flesh, and Satan. And that's mm-hmm. the struggle we have. Right. And, and so um, how, how is it best that we understand when uh, the Scripture says that God incites? Well, I think parents incite their children to sin every time they give them a command. Like I would uh, oh, yeah. like playing baseball after school, and my dad would say, well, make sure you're home by 5 o'clock because that's when we're going to eat dinner. Well, there was an incitement to sin because I enjoyed. I, I remember the bases were loaded. I was up next. It was five minutes to five. <laughs> and so I decided to stay. And I ended up striking out anyway, but I was late getting home. So there was an example where I learned that you need to obey your parents regardless of the situation that you are in because the theologian of glory likes to please himself. And so every time I disobeyed my parents, I always did it out of self-interest rather than their interest. But I learned how important that distinction is, and therefore God brought good out of it. As he says in Romans, all things work together for our good. So permitting Satan to tempt us is not God tempting us. It's still Satan tempting us, and God gives us all kinds of resources to deny that temptation. All right, something for me to chew on. I I appreciate it. I thank you very much for calling. God bless. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, and uh, let me see here. We've got somebody else. Let me see. Hi, I'm Pastor Baker. Who's this? This is James. Go ahead, James. Two James in a row. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Pastor, uh, take a look at Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6 and verse 18. And this, in this uh, emotionally rich last parting words of the apostle, uh, kind of help us understand what he meant in verse 18 when he said, remember my chains. Well, he was in prison. Yes. And so what does God say in Matthew 25? He really compliments the sheep and what's one of the items that they are doing is that they are visiting those in prison uh we have chaplains lutheran church missouri synod in almost every prison we visit because prison is really a fertile ground for somebody to come to faith in jesus christ so when paul says I, Paul, writing this greeting with my own hand, remember my chains. Every time I ask somebody to remember something, it's always to be done in prayer. 
that therefore they pray that Paul will be able to continue to have the hope he needs and therefore to remember someone is always to pray for them. Like every now and then we run across people who are going to be divorced and one of them says, please remember us. Well, we don't pray that the divorce goes through. We pray that the divorce doesn't. So that's what is meant here by remembrance. Wow. So uh, in those verses uh, 2 through 6 where he's exhorting everyone else in his last words uh, to walk in wisdom towards those on the outside and, and giving praise to others. Okay, we're almost... End, he asks for change. We're almost out of okay. time here. Look at verse 2. Sure. Continue mm-hmm. steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And that's why to remember him in his chains means to pray for him. Okay? Thank you, Pat. Thank you Thank very you. much for calling. Call earlier, James. You're always calling late. <laughs> I'm Tom Baker. Uh, Monday's Law and Gospel Bible study will help you understand the importance of Law and Gospel and help define how you find Law and Gospel in a Bible verse. Till Monday, I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.